This is called the circadian rhythm of our body clock. <laughs> <laughs> this is called the circadian rhythm or our body clock. Yes, our eyes. <laughs> regularly, regularly. <clears throat> yeah, I do stress out regularly. Basically, all of us should pay attention to which phone, laptop or TV we... Thank you for having me here on Breeze In. It was... Thank you for having me for... Hi, I'm your host, Julia, here on Breathe In Podcast. The podcast designed to help you become the best version of yourself possible. All you need to do is just take a deep breath in and tune in with me. Hello everyone, I am back with a new episode on Breathe In. Today we're talking about all things connected to your happy slumber time and what are the things that could be disrupting your sleep. I'm not alone this time. Today we have a guest who is eager to share how his journey to a better sleep went, what technology can do to your eyes and sleeping patterns, and how it affects your hormones as well. More specifically, he's going to talk about how he had beaten his insomnia and finally started to get healthy, regular sleep. Quick disclaimer, although I admit that I am deeply involved with the subject of health and well-being, I am not a medical professional. Any claims and scientific information given are based on the available research, stories of others, and my personal experience. Please take into account that such things are highly individual and there is no general cure when it comes to physical and mental health, and only you decide what's best for you. Almost every second resident of the metropolis today has trouble sleeping. The downed regime of day and night is a problem for all modern citizens. People strive to artificially lengthen their day by going to bed far after midnight or staying up. Some are studying at night, some are surfing the internet, some are in the bar with friends, and some are at work. There is a huge group of people who consider it normal, calling themselves night owls and think that such a lifestyle is consistent with their constitution and doesn't cause any harm. However, nightlife plays a trick on us. The thing is that spending the night hours awake, we do not let melatonin be produced and do the job. The hormone which is responsible for our sleep and, in the end, no matter how much we sleep later in the morning or afternoon, such a dream will not bring complete rest and recovery to your body. Even if it seems to us that we had enough sleep, our organs and body system need help. They need melatonin which wasn't developed at night. But it's not just that. In addition, fluorescent light and the majority of other artificial lighting create a two-fold problem when it comes to sleep. Not only they produce artificial light, they produce blue light. One major problem with the production of melatonin is screens. Your phone screen, your computer screen, and even the artificial lighting you have in your room. I would actually call it a millennial problem since mostly our generation uses phones and technology so frequently. Since, of course, a lot of people have a habit of checking their phone before they fall asleep and, in fact, not just checking, the majority of people actively use their phones and other devices with blue light before bed, melatonin deficiency becomes a common issue. 
I'm not a technology person, so this is why here we have Dmitry, who's an IT specialist. He works with computers all the time and spends the majority of his life with blue screens and with screens in general. Welcome. Thank you. So tell me, why is artificial lighting the major problem in all that? In order to understand why artificial lighting has such an effect on our eyes, we first have to understand what blue light really means. You might have heard about the RGB color palette that is used in digital technologies to represent different colors, right? Yeah. And RGB simply stands for red, green and blue. So without going too deep into the technical part, there are three types of artificial lights. Red biased, green biased and blue biased. And blue surprisingly happens to be the most bright out of these three. That is the reason why modern cars are equipped with xenon or LED headlights. They are very bright. Regular incandescent light bulbs, on the other hand, emit red-biased light that is somewhere in between orange and yellow. Oh yeah, I get super annoyed when they shine right into my eyes. I've noticed that modern, new cars do indeed have brighter headlights. Especially at night, they make my head hurt. I know, right? Computer and smartphone screens are not any different. They also use blue lights for their backlighting. And according to multiple researchers, the blue light is the one stressing our eyes the most. Green comes second, and red is the less stressing one. Using a computer or a phone at night is not any different from looking right into the headlights of a car, which is quite unpleasant, to say the least. Do all screens affect our eyes the same way? Or are there screens who could be more eye-friendly? It strongly depends on the price tag. Cheaper screens are always going to be less eye-friendly. But generally speaking, there are three types of displays. IPS, OLED and TN. TN screens are usually the best in the price range. Cheaper TN screens is going to perform much better than cheap IPS, and especially better than a cheap OLED screen. Even though TN screens have very high contrast and don't have the best image quality, I find them the easiest on human eyes. I think my laptop has a TN screen, but I'm not quite sure. The view angle of TN screens is much less broad, and the screen becomes black when you look at it from the bottom. Is this the case for you? Oh yeah, indeed. But when I look from the top, it doesn't dim the image. TN screens for laptops are usually made so that they only dim from the bottom, to make sure that you can use it without any interruptions. So how do you think? Which type of screens are the worst for eyes and why? OLED displays are usually the worst for eyes. They all use specific technology to adjust the brightness, which causes flickering. Without going too deep into the technical aspect, if the brightness is set to 100, the screen has almost no flickering. But if you bring it down to 50%, the screen brightness will change from 100% to 0% with a set period. And even though our brain is not able to capture the flickering, our eyes are still experiencing that. And if you wonder what it feels like, try turning the lights in your room on and off for even 10 seconds. It's going to drive you insane. Right. Very interesting. So, which devices have such displays? OLED displays are in the majority of new Samsung phones and Apple iPhones as well. Such as iPhone X and higher and almost every Samsung phone that you can buy in 2020. Not all of them are equally harmful though. Samsung OLED screens tend to be better in terms of flickering and reducing the eye strain since they have been using them for many years now. And it's worth mentioning that not everyone will feel the increased eye strain from OLED screens. It's very individual. Basically, all of us should pay attention which phone or laptop we buy. Let's get back to blue light. Is it possible to minimize blue light exposure when using your phone, browsing on the laptop or watching TV? And if so, how? 
Luckily, there are many ways to fight the blue light and stop it from affecting our sleep. Blue light negative effects last for around 3 hours and red light for about an hour. So you should decrease blue light exposure 3 hours before your bedtime. And if you absolutely need to, turn on the red light filter on your PC or phone. There are plenty of applications to help you with that. I do that by the way. I have a blue light blocker in my phone. My phone screen is set to automatically turn the filter on after 9pm and it switches it off around like 6am when it's already light outside. I constantly change the settings. It makes your screen appear a little orange and sometimes I find it very difficult to see when the screen is orange. That happens when the filter is too strong. Don't just set the filter on its maximum power, since that can also have negative effect on your eyes. There won't be any exposure to blue light, but the screen content will be much harder to read and see, resulting in eye strain. Play around with different settings and find the solution that is optimal for you. You will feel that sweet spot once you find it. Understood, thank you. I would also like to mention that sometimes when I take a screenshot with the filter on, I forget that I have the filter on and the screenshot is all orange. That's one minor disadvantage, but overall, blue light filters are cool. I love them. Actually, what I found out is a study by the University of Toronto discovered that those who wore glasses that blocks blue light produced more melatonin than those who didn't during the shifts. Don't forget about the ambient lighting, by the way. It also plays an important role, especially at night. The colder the light is, the more blue it is, meaning it's going to be harsh on your eyes. The general rule is to keep your ambient light as bright as the screen light. So if you are using a laptop or a phone at night with high brightness, your room lights should be as bright to make sure it's easier for your eyes to perceive. Will do. Ignoring that rule, by the way, might result into having blind spots in your eyes, especially at night. I have suffered from it for a long time and I still do. My sight vision had to be used to even check the time, because all I saw in the middle was a black spot. Interesting, thank you so much. So, what we've discovered here is, basically all artificial light may interfere with normal sleep patterns. The biological clock of the body works in rhythms, which react to the amount of light and darkness to which the body is exposed. This is called a circadian rhythm or our body clock. Circadian rhythms control the time of many physiological processes. They determine sleep and nutrition patterns, as well as brain activity, hormone production, and cell generation. When the body is exposed only to natural sunlight, the area of the hypothalamic brain sets the sleep mode according to when it is light outside and when it is dark. Light is detected by the retina in our eyes, which sends the signals to the hypothalamus. So, when artificial light is added to a human day, the body's natural rhythms become confused. The retina can now receive light, no matter what time of the day it is, so the body does not know when to prepare for sleep. A study published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism of the Endocrine Society showed that when compared to dim light, exposure to room light suppressed melatonin by approximately 85% in trials. That's true. I experience that every time I spend too much time in front of my computer before sleep. In that case, I can only fall asleep if I am extremely tired. Otherwise, it's going to be a 30 minute long struggle. I knew that I wasn't the only one. Yes, our eyes need to get adjusted to the darkness. It might take a while for our body to send the signal to the pineal gland, so it can start the production of melatonin in time, and I'm sure many of you have experienced insomnia, which is a condition characterized by prolonged falling asleep and a low quality of sleep, as a result of which you felt tired. 
People suffering from chronic insomnia are forced to take sleeping pills, the main disadvantages of which are either a quick sleep or a heavy head in the morning. Most over-the-counter sleep aids contain antihistamines. Tolerance to the sedative effects of antihistamines can develop quickly, so the longer you take them, the less likely they are to make you sleep. Talking about sleeping pills. What about substances that the majority of us use to wake up in the mornings, like coffee or nicotine? I often need 20 to 30 minutes to finally get up from my bed, and the majority of people can't go without a cup of coffee in the morning. How exactly do these stimulators affect our body? Good question. Well, caffeine actually increases cortisol at rest, from what I know, and some studies have shown that levels of cortisol after drinking coffee are similar to those experienced during an acute stress. So, drinking coffee, in other words, recreates stress conditions for the body. Cortisol is necessary for our health. However, the problem is when we are constantly stressed out, our body is continuously producing cortisol. Do you experience a lot of stress on a daily basis? Yeah, I do. But I don't feel like it's a problem, however. Higher stress level helps me to maintain better productivity and concentration. Yeah, cortisol is a hormone that helps us stay productive, however, like I said, excess production of cortisol in the body can lead to an increased risk of throwing a temper tantrum once or twice or an emotional breakdown. That happens to me sometimes, and I do have inconsistent weight. Yeah, imbalanced hormones in general cause a lot of issues, so people tend to consume a lot of coffee, sleep aids, nicotine to reduce stress, to properly wake up in the morning, and all of those things have a very negative effect on the body, if we are talking about the amount that those substances are normally consumed in. And actually, these disadvantages are not observed in melatonin supplements, not to mention melatonin works totally different from a sleep aid, Instead, it normalizes your natural bodily rhythms and has a majority of other benefits. Since it is a hormone, and we have discovered before that the excess exposure to lighting causes inconsistent or delayed melatonin production. Let's take a closer look at melatonin, namely the positive and negative sides of the drug. So, melatonin is a hormone that regulates our internal rhythms like circadian rhythm or in the spoken language we call it our body clock. Often melatonin is called a sleep hormone, but actually, it has many other functions. An increase in the level of melatonin in the body is usually observed in autumn and winter when sunlight is deficient. If you feel that there is no strength to go for a run, you want to take a nap and in the morning you don't want to wake up at all, this could be a signal. That's why I couldn't follow with my gym routine when the winter has started. I started feeling more sleepy and tired and didn't want to take the risk of lifting weights in such state. I thought it was because I turned 21 this autumn and is too old now. But turns out it's not just that, good news! Yeah, perhaps the autumn weather can have a disrupting effect on the production of melatonin, since melatonin is produced at night in the dark and as winter solstice approaches, days tend to get shorter and nights get longer. During the nighttime of the day, about 70% of all melatonin in the body is synthesized and if you want to calculate how much that is, in the adult body, about 30 micrograms of melatonin is synthesized daily. Excessive lighting in the room during the evening times can also interfere with this hormone production, like I've said before. Normally, it begins to be actively produced around 8pm. The peak of its concentration in the body is the period after midnight until 4am. This is why it is so important to stay awake and sleep in a dark room. My curtains are almost always closed and I sleep in a dark room, but it can still take ages to fall asleep. 
Do you open them during the day? Oops, should I? <laughs> For the normal production of melatonin, you need not only darkness, but also sunlight. For hormonal changes that lead to the synthesis of melatonin during the nighttime, it is necessary to spend at least 60 minutes daily on the street during daylight hours. So, what are the overall benefits of melatonin supplements that you have talked about before? Well, first of all, often melatonin in tablets is a common and quite harmless way to treat a jet lag, a sharp change in time zones after long flights. In fact, in this case, a manual reconfiguration of sleep and wakefulness regimes is performed and the brain receives a direct signal that it is time to sleep, regardless of what time the body's biological clock shows. Melatonin is also recommended to people with moderate forms of insomnia and women with menopause. In both cases, the sleep hormone will help to fall asleep faster and improve the overall quality and depth of sleep. Sounds like a great way to handle flights. Our client once had to fly from China and they struggled with waking up in the morning since their time zone is plus 6 hours. Yeah, there is also an another study that claims that melatonin can even help people fight off depression. Really? Most likely. We've discovered that the production of melatonin in the body occurs in the pineal gland, which is located in the brain and in addition to the sleep hormone, the pineal gland also synthesizes serotonin called the hormone of good mood. At the same time, the same substances are the source of raw materials for both hormones, so insufficient synthesis of melatonin is always associated with insufficient synthesis of serotonin. In turn, a deficiency of serotonin leads to slowdown in thinking processes, mood changes and the development of depression. Traditionally, a lack of serotonin is treated with antidepressants, however, before you consult your doctor about this and start taking them, it is much safer to ask their opinion on melatonin supplementation. There is a big chance that this will help to solve the problem. Is this the reason why the lack of sleep ultimately leads to a bad mood? Well, the relationship between sleep and your hormones is complex, but yeah, sleep deprivation does have a significant impact on your mood, of course. And second of all, melatonin has also been shown to possess anti-inflammatory effects, among a number of actions. Melatonin reduces tissue destruction during inflammatory reactions by a number of means. Also, melatonin, by virtue of its ability to directly scavenge toxic free radicals, reduces macromolecular damage in all organs, and this topic is quite popular and concerning for humans. Yeah, I have heard about that, but I wasn't quite sure that is true. Yeah, I thought that there should be some studies that could confirm the anti-inflammatory properties of melatonin that actually found something more interesting than just this. There's a study that compared the efficiency of melatonin with placebo in the treatment of pelvic pain associated with endometriosis. The study involved women with chronic pelvic pain lasting at least six months and requiring regular consumption of painkillers. According to laparoscopy, all patients were diagnosed with from first grade to fourth grade of endometriosis. Forty study participants were basically separated into two equal groups. Patients in the first group received 8 mg of melatonin for 8 weeks. This is kind of a lot if you ask me. In the supplement form, people usually take from 1 to 3, maximum 5 mg daily. And so, uh, patients in the second group received placebo. Researchers evaluated the quality of sleep and the dynamics of pain. In the melatonin group compared with the placebo group, the pain intensity decreased. In the placebo group, 
the likelihood of needing painkillers was about 80% higher. So I'm thinking this suggests that melatonin could be acting on the molecules involved in the formation of pain. And finally, in the melatonin group, the patient's well-being mostly improved after morning awakening. However, it is not just magic and all, there are of course side effects of melatonin, just like any drug. Often people report having minor headaches, some even have vivid dreaming and I've noticed that people either like that or they don't. When I was taking it for three weeks when I had exams accompanied by a lot of stress which caused a disrupted body clock and trouble sleeping, I hated the fact that every time I went to sleep I saw at least five dreams every night. I hope they were interesting at least. They were mostly weird. Weird doesn't mean unfun. Well, okay, you're not wrong. And talking about other side effects, in very rare cases, taking melatonin in tablets can disrupt the ovulation process. So this supplement is not recommended for women who are planning to conceive. Also, since the hormone melatonin is able to make a person a little sleepy and inhibit it, it is not recommended for consumption during the daytime, of course. Why would you take it during the daytime? I don't know, some people do. And among other things, melatonin tablets are not recommended for people with high blood pressure, for those who suffer from epilepsy as well, or for diabetics who need frequent insulin shots. Taking melatonin together with antidepressants may also be harmful. Would you try it by the way? I'd like to try it actually. But I wouldn't risk taking it during my work days since not only my work involves a lot of concentration, but I'm also a driver. Oh yeah, that could be that could have an impact, of course. I would say before deciding to take any supplements, it is safe to consult your doctor or healthcare provider. So we've slowly came to the end of this episode. That was a great one, one of my longest episodes so far. Thank you for having me here. I loved having you. Thank you for showing interest and in taking part in this. And thank you to all the listeners who are currently playing it. Feel free to subscribe and share if you liked it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Breathing Podcast, where I post unique and interesting content about anything regarding your mental and physical well-being. My name is Julia, and you will hear from me again with the next episodes very soon. Have a great day.